This is The Guardian. Today, are your clothes making you sick? Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. I love my job. I was good at it. Tonya Osborne worked as a flight attendant for 25 years. The passengers liked me, and for the most part, I liked most of them. <laughs> there were days that she didn't. It was, it was a hard job some days, but for the most part, it was a great job. For most of her career, flying domestic routes across the United States... She and her colleagues dressed in relaxed khaki shorts, white shirts, and trainers. It was very casual, very laid back. We didn't have dresses or high heels or anything like that. But in 2017, the airline switched to a new uniform produced by a different supplier. We were excited. Well, you know, we were starting to look more professional. And everybody thought the passengers would have a little more respect for us. It was more formal definitely less comfortable. They were made out of recycled polyester, which is plastic. It would stick to your body. And I remember when we first got the dress, I've always ironed everything. It melted. (laughs) That year, Tonya developed a debilitating skin condition. She was covered in hives, which turned into blisters and then into scars. I had a hairbrush just to scratch my back at night. It was horrible. It just kept coming back. She was diagnosed by a dermatologist who found she was allergic to a particular type of dye. She began wondering if her uniform was to blame. I um, was on another airline going to visit some friends and an employee from our airline came up and gave me a hug. And by the time I got to where I was going, I had hives all over my stomach just from him hugging me. Over the last decade, hundreds of flight attendants have been reporting dire health conditions. They say their uniforms are making them sick, and they're fighting lawsuits to prove it. Some of the reactions that these flight attendants were having were absolutely horrendous. They were losing all their hair. They had rashes so bad that they bled. They had breathing problems. Some of them would go into anaphylactic shock when they would put on their uniforms or be taken to the ER with those breathing problems. And some of them developed long-term illnesses as well that they attribute to wearing those uniforms. Journalist Alden Wicker has been investigating the toxic chemicals used in these uniforms and beyond. In a global fashion industry worth $2.5 trillion, Flight attendants are canaries in the coal mine. The only reason we know flight attendants can attribute 
some of their really shocking symptoms to their uniforms is because they got them all at the same time. They wore them for up to 24 hours, especially if they're doing overnight flights. They could talk to each other and say, hey, I'm losing my hair. Oh, I am too. And it still took them several months to figure out what was going on. So what is lurking in our clothes? And what could they be doing to our bodies? From The Guardian, I'm Noshin Iqbal. Today in Focus, how toxic is your wardrobe? Alden Wicker, you're the author of To Die For, How Toxic Fashion is Making Us Sick. And you've been writing about fashion and sustainability for quite some time now. Can you start with telling me how we actually got here? Why are there chemicals in our clothes? Well, I want to make sure that we're very clear that chemicals are the building blocks of life. So a lot of people, when they say chemicals, they mean toxic chemicals. So Toxic chemicals have been in our clothing for hundreds of years, in fact. We used to have all sorts of heavy metals at extremely high amounts in our hats. You've heard of the Mad Hatter. And a lot of people don't know that the invention of the modern chemistry industry was done in England by inventing the very first petrochemical dye. It was mauve. And a lot of the large chemical companies today got their start as dye manufacturers. Now, more than 150 years later, chemicals are used to create, strip, clean, dye, finish. Other chemicals are used to strip other chemicals off. And every single fashion product today, except for a few small brands that focus on this, is going to have layers of chemicals used to create it and to finish it. This might be like asking how long is a piece of string, but if I were to show you my gym leggings from a major sports brand that are sort of spandex, polyester, whatever mix, look very shiny. On average, how many chemicals would you suggest are probably contained in that one product? Probably 50. Let's just stop going to the gym, guys. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Um, And it's really hard to say because even if I had world-class testing equipment, it would spit out a lot of different things. A researcher would have to take a very long time to match all these chemicals. So it might be more than that. Unlike a lot of the other consumer product categories that come with ingredient lists, such as cleaning products, beauty products, food products, clothing doesn't come with a complete ingredient list. All it tells you is the fiber mix. So there's a lot of opacity in the industry around what is used on our clothing. Alden, as you said, not all chemicals are harmful. So what are the ones that we need to be particularly concerned about? Some of the chemicals that have been found when researchers and advocates have tested clothing in the past decade include lead, phthalates, those are hormone-disrupting chemicals, BPA, that's another hormone-disrupting chemical. You probably recognize it because when you buy baby bottles or other plastic packaging, a lot of them say BPA-free, but they're also cousins to BPA, like BPS and BPF, which are largely the same. A growing number of sports bras, shirts, and leggings were found to contain a high level of a toxic chemical called BPA, used to make certain types of plastic. It's been linked to health conditions like asthma, diabetes, heart disease, cancer, obesity, and erectile dysfunction. They have found dispersed dyes and other skin-sensitizing dyes, especially ones that supposedly have been voluntarily phased out by the fashion industry. 
because they can be carcinogenic. There are anti-wrinkle finishes that rely on formaldehyde. Then we also have PFAS. Those provide water and stain repellency. PFAS chemicals have been around for decades. DuPont was the first to use PFAS in Teflon, giving us those nonstick pots and pans. They're sort of just thrown on everything because brands say like, hey, can you provide us with some stain repellency? And manufacturers go, sure. Headline we're following today, a new study on school uniforms in both Canada and the United States showing there are high levels of so-called forever chemicals known as PFASs. Researchers detected PFAS in all uniforms marketed as stain resistant from nine popular brands. The concern here is that kids could ingest PFAS after touching their uniforms, which of course they wear for long periods of time. There have been very robust studies connecting PFAS exposure to several types of cancer, thyroid disease, reproductive toxicity, obesity, all of these different things. And yet the fashion industry has continued to allow this to be put on their clothing. A lot of chemicals, when they go into your body or when they end up in the environment, they break down, they slowly decompose. PFAS don't do that. That means the levels of these so-called forever chemicals can build up and linger in our bloodstreams forever. And then you have chemicals that are used to just process and create the fashion. So especially when you have polymers and plastics, there are toxic chemicals that are used to create those synthetics, and then those can leach out when you wear them or when you sweat in them. And then there are contaminants. So uh, tests have found accidental contamination using pesticides or fungicides because when we have these things shipped over from Southeast Asia where it's humid and hot and there's all those bugs that we don't want, the storage and the shipping containers can have these fungicides and pesticides applied to them. So mm. there are more than 40,000 chemicals used in commerce today and most of them have not been tested for their safety. And what about the defense that's probably put out by people manufacturing clothes that certain chemicals are only dangerous at a particular level and actually they're using so little, therefore this chemical in this product isn't dangerous. But what about the way they interact with each other and what about the cumulative effect that those chemicals have? The textile limits that the industry uses today to claim that what they're using is not hazardous in the amounts that they're using are often based on little to no science or shoddy science. And a lot of the research that we do around these toxic chemicals and toxicology is done on rats. But a rat is not going to say, hey, I have brain fog or I'm really tired or I feel anxious, all of these different things that can severely affect our quality of life. And so a lot of those limits are based on if it doesn't kill you, then it's okay. Mm. And then, yes, they're all considered in isolation and the effects that they can have on each other are not considered. So some chemicals can have a synergistic effect with each other. A lot of limits don't take that into account. And then finally, these limits are completely voluntary. They don't, right. fashion brands don't have to follow these limits. So they tend to evoke them when somebody is trying to sue them or accuse them of creating a hazardous product. They pay a commercial lab to have the products tested. They pay a consultancy to interpret the lab results favorably to them. 
Senator, as studies become available to us, we at FDA apply the Studies from whom become Whoever. Available. If they've been no, the only studies you're getting right now, have you asked for studies from independent sources? We don't normally ask for independence. Then you don't protect the American people if you don't look beyond what's handed to you. Alden, how do these chemicals actually get into our bodies? So there's a lot of different ways that we are particularly exposed when we wear clothing For a while, industry experts have been saying, oh, we don't need to worry about clothing because it's not like we eat it. Well, okay, that might apply a little bit to adult clothing, but we all know that children eat their clothing. They just like put it in their mouths. The other thing is that those microfibers shed from our clothing when we wear them and when we wash them. Whatever is on them ends up in our house dust. That means we're breathing in that house dust. We're ingesting that house dust. We're just absorbing at all times, right? Yeah, all the time. And those microfibers that are coated with those same hazardous substances break off. They can get into our water, bypassing water treatment plants. They can be eaten by marine life. We're drinking them. We're eating them. And then again, we know that when you wear clothing and you sweat in it, that sweat can draw out whatever is in that clothing and deposit it on your skin. And then if it's the type of hazardous chemical that can be absorbed into your skin, that's going to happen. And so it can end up in your bloodstream. There has even been PFAS, which is that extremely toxic class of forever chemicals found in period panties. So we're wearing it in our most intimate parts. The chemicals that are in the environment that are in our everyday products end up in our body. These chemicals get into the mother's body, slip across the placenta, and contaminate babies even before the moment of birth. And the fact is, each one of us, each of our children, is born pre-polluted with hundreds of different chemicals from our everyday lives, from our everyday products. When you put all of this together, it is little short of horrifying, but how easy is it to make this link and attribute these health conditions and diseases to our clothes? It's really, really difficult. The problem is that those types of toxic chemicals, they can accumulate in our body. They do their work over long periods of time. Mm. And we are not there in terms of research to be able to say, oh, you have cancer. It's probably connected to a sweater that you wore a lot nine years ago. And the lack of labeling comprehensive labeling ingredient list on fashion is preventing researchers from testing things for safety or linking things to health effects because before they can even get started on researching the health effects, they have to figure out what's in there. I spoke to Dr. Heather Stapleton who bought a synthetic t-shirt for her son and he had a rash in the pattern of the t-shirt's graphics Mm. on his back. Now, she happened to have access to world-class testing equipment. So she asked her colleague to test the shirt. And there were all sorts of things in there that it took them five years to identify what they were. So they could see the, the chemical signature and they were like, what is this? And they had to buy synthetic dyes and spend years 
breaking them down into their constituent parts because there was nothing in the scientific literature to tell them what they were, much less what their safety effects are. So it's one thing for the brands to be bringing their clothes from abroad and for us to be buying them, wearing them, being exposed to those chemicals. But it must be so dangerous for the people involved in making these clothes. What can you tell me about that process and how vulnerable workers are? It's much, much worse for the workers. I traveled to Tirupur in Tamil Nadu, India, which makes the majority of dyes and processes and makes the majority of T-shirts and other woven materials out of India. So it's an incredibly polluted place. This once sacred river smells so bad and is so full of chemicals that it's frothing. This is the water that goes to people's fields. Um, People use it for drinking, for bathing. Yeah, that's not clean. You can't farm there uh, because the dye houses have just been releasing all of their toxic wastewater right into the rivers. The wells are poisoned, all of those different things. It has been cleaned up in the past 10 years. But what I really wanted to see is, okay, if this is affecting people who just wear the clothing, how is it affecting garment workers? And it was actually surprising how easy it was for me to find a garment worker who was having really terrible skin reactions on her arms, on her legs, just from sewing synthetic clothing in a hot factory. Luckily, her doctors identified the problem, which is actually pretty rare. Most doctors say, oh, it can't be that. There's no evidence of that. He said, you need to quit your job. She quit her job. When I met her, she still had scars on her arms and she still had reactions on her legs because she was still wearing those synthetic saris every day in the heat. And surely the impact on the environment can't be that great either. When fashion has been manufactured in the United States, it's left behind a decade-long legacy of local environmental pollution. There are sites all up and down the eastern seaboard of former dye houses, fashion manufacturing sites, and waterproofing and performance textile manufacturing sites where you still are not allowed to go past the chain link fence and into this place because it is so toxic. We've just exported all of that to developing countries where it's happening all over again. Well, given how much is generally now known about chemicals and the use of them in the textiles industry, I wonder if there is any research and development into making newer compounds of chemicals that are safer. Is there any development of chemicals that might be used to process clothes that won't be as hazardous as the ones that we have? Absolutely. So there has been a lot of research. There's, for example, BASF developed a different type of synthetic indigo to dye denim with that is safer for workers to use and has a lot less aniline in it, which is uh, a hazardous substance that's used to create it. So there is a lot of work going into this, but unfortunately, a lot of fashion brands won't pay anything more for this safer chemistry. So it's hard to get uptake by the industry unless uh, it's legislated or enforced. You mentioned earlier this idea of having something like an ingredients list on the labels of clothes, which would tell us what was actually in them. Why isn't that there? And what would it take to have them? I've been told by at least one chemical company 
CEO that we have the technology today to create those comprehensive ingredient lists. What is preventing that from happening is the chemical companies themselves consider their mixes of chemicals and chemical products proprietary information. It's sort of like pharmaceuticals, right? They've invested all this money in creating these patented secret formulas, and they don't want anybody to copy them. So they actually don't give information about what's in those chemicals, even to the dye houses, even to the manufacturers or to the brands. So all of it is kept a secret throughout the supply chain in order to protect the commercial interests of the chemical manufacturers. But with pharmaceuticals, it's an incredibly regulated industry. I mean, you're not going to have a drug on the market not knowing what's in it and how it could affect you or what it will do to you. And it is outrageous. As consumers, we've become more aware of what's bad for us in our food, more aware of what beauty products we might want to rethink. But we have no knowledge or oversight or what seems like safe, effective regulation over what we wear. Are governments or industry regulators expected to do anything about all of this? I think the average consumer believes that the government is doing much, much more than it is. I think a lot of people believe that if it was that hazardous, it wouldn't be allowed. And it's definitely much worse in the United States. The United States has taken a stance that every chemical, especially if it's valuable to the industry, is innocent until proven guilty. And it can take decades to prove something, a chemical guilty. There's also something called regrettable substitution. So once one chemical comes out in the news as being particularly hazardous, something like BPA, all of the industry or most of the industry will say, okay, no worries, we'll switch to something else. And they'll switch to something that has a really similar chemical structure, but has not been studied. And then more research comes out showing that that is toxic. They switch to something else. And what we need right now, what a lot of advocates are calling for is bans on classes of chemicals. So mm. we know that BPA is dangerous. We should also probably ban the use of BPS and BPF. Alden, as far as I understand it, the EU, the European Commission, was at the forefront of understanding and tackling forever chemicals. So they were expected to ban all but the most essential hazardous chemicals from the things that we buy. And yet last week, The Guardian broke the news of a leaked document which suggests a major scaling back of that target. And that actually, as little as 1% of these chemicals could be banned. How much of a setback is this? It's incredibly disappointing. Throughout my research for my book, I was looking to the EU with a lot of admiration Unlike the United States, the EU has banned over 30 chemicals specifically for use in textiles, and it looked like they were going to go much further with this. And to find out that the chemical industry in Europe is as effective for stalling, effective regulation that would protect consumers as the chemical industry in the United States, it's, it's yeah, it's extremely disappointing. Sonia, you carried on working as a flight attendant, but your health really began to suffer. Can you tell me what happened? I started getting sinus infections and um, migraines. I was kind of short of breath. Uh, The fatigue was crazy. My joints were awful. I would sit on the jump seat after doing service and hold a um, cup of hot water so my hands would stop hurting. 
my family doctor sent me to a rheumatologist and found rheumatoid arthritis. And then next thing we found out, I had ankylosing spondylitis, which is a, it affects your spine and can fuse it together. Then when I had to have surgery in September of last year, they found that I had Crohn's. I also have mild thrombocythemia, which is a form of leukemia. Oh my goodness. I mean, you can't cure what I have. There is no cure. And um, now I'm giving myself shots of chemo once a week and Humira every other week and B12 shots. And I mean, I'm anemic. I'm every joint in my body hurts. There's some days that they hurt really bad, but the medicine is kind of keeping them at bay. And my rheumatologist says, just keep moving. Don't stop moving because that's when things will get really worse. So I try to keep moving, keep active, but I'm not a quitter. I don't care how bad it gets. I, I won't quit. I'll keep pushing. Oh my goodness, Tonya. That sounds so, so awful. Did you consider quitting your job? What did you do next? So August 31st, 2018, I, that was the last day I actually worked because I couldn't wear the uniform. I couldn't even be around it. And I kept thinking, well, eventually, you know, they'll, they'll fix this. You know, they'll get rid of these uniforms. But they didn't. I've had to get a doctor's note every 90 days for the last four years to keep me on medical leave, but I don't get paid. So you're employed by the airline, but you're on medical leave and mm-hmm. you're not getting paid. Nothing. I didn't, I got denied my long-term disability. And, you know, you go from making really good money to nothing and not living in a house anymore. And now you're in an RV. (laughs) It's not where I expected to be at 65 years old. Coming up, how can you protect yourself from the chemical exposure from the clothes that you wear? The World Cup is here, and can you hear that? That's the sound of you missing out. Drop everything you're doing, unless you're driving, and tune into the Guardian Women's Football Weekly podcast, because with even more teams and more living legends than ever before, this is one hell of a World Cup. To keep up with all the action, we'll be doing three episodes a week for the entirety of the tournament, you lucky things. We'll have the usual guests and lots of new voices. Join us, Suzanne Rack and Faker Others, and listen to the Guardian Women's Football Weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. 
Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Alden, we've just heard from Tonya and I wonder, without suggesting that our listeners throughout their entire wardrobes, what advice could you give on how to avoid the exposure that you've talked about? Well, I don't want people to feel like they have no power or control. They absolutely do have the control to start making changes in their closet. I don't recommend that people throw out every single thing in their closet. First of all, because newer clothing can be more toxic, right? Because you haven't washed it yet. It hasn't had time to off-gas some of those volatile organic compounds. So don't go throwing out your entire closet. But there are uh, several strategies people can use to reduce their exposure and their family's exposure. The first thing I would tell people is to look for natural fibers whenever possible. That includes things like cotton, silk, hemp, lyocell, modal, tencel, those are plant-based and uh, even bamboo rayon tends to do really well for people who have sensitivities. So all of those tend to be better than synthetics such as acrylic, nylon, polyester, you know, plastics like PVC. So you'll find that in cheap vegan leather products or in sort of clear plastic products uh, such as like clear shoes or, or clear raincoats, things like that. Uh, always do the sniff test before you buy something or when you take it out of the package. If it smells bad, that is the best indicator that it is bad and you should package it up and send it back. Oh God, you've just reminded me of that smell when you order a t-shirt online and you rip open the packaging and there's this really pungent whiff, which I actually quite enjoy. It's a bit like diesel and petrol for me, but I realize it's probably going to be causing some damage. Alden, What else do you recommend? So wash your clothing, any new clothing before you wear it in non-fragranced, non-toxic laundry detergent. Avoid dry cleaning. And uh, if you do have to dry clean, I would let it air out outside your house (laughs) for a little bit before bringing it inside. But you can do so, so much with a spray bottle with water and vinegar or water and vodka. I just rescued a silk shirt with a coffee stain last week using just water and vinegar. So it is possible. 
avoid ultra fast fashion brands. If you don't recognize a brand and it's advertising to you on social media or it's incredibly cheap, that's a really risky proposition. So I would avoid those because it takes investment and care and good partnerships with your suppliers to ensure that they're not using toxic chemistry either on purpose or in sloppy ways that can contaminate the clothing. We've well, talked a lot about ultra fast fashion and those brands that target you on Instagram with, you know, a 99p t-shirt, whatever it is. Is it fair for someone to assume then, oh, okay, well, this designer luxury good is X hundreds amounts of pounds. Is that going to be a safer bet? Not always. There are luxury brands that have no chemical management program whatsoever. There are also what we would call fast fashion brands that have very robust chemical management systems. H&M was the first brand in the world to have a restricted substance list and give that to its manufacturers in 1995. And that is so easy to do. You just copy down a list and you hand it to your manufacturer. You say, please don't use these chemicals. But it's not a hard and fast rule that the more you pay for fashion, the safer it's going to be. How may I help you today? I have a product question. Okay. I'm looking at the kids' polka dot fleecely pants. I was wondering if you use flame retardant chemicals on them, and if you do, which ones? Okay, all I'm seeing... Quite aside from avoiding certain clothes or certain fibers to avoid those chemicals, is there anything else the individual can do? You know, would you recommend boycotting? Like, are there collective actions that people can take to ensure that there's more awareness about chemicals in our clothes and what they're doing to us and the environment around us? Absolutely. This is not just a consumer issue. I always say that we can't shop our way out of this problem. So I would suggest that they write to their local politicians and ask them what they're doing to protect them from the toxic chemicals, not just in fashion, but all consumer products. Alden, thank you so much. Thank you. It was so nice to talk with you, Nasheen. That was Alden Wicker. My thanks to her and to our interviewee, Tonya Osborne. You can buy Alden's book, which is called To Die For, How Toxic Fashion Is Making Us Sick and How We Can Fight Back. That's out now. And you can read her piece, Are Your Clothes Making You Sick, online at theguardian.com. In response to Tonya's allegations, Southwestern Airlines have said, The company regrets that Osborne experienced issues with her uniform items as the safety and well-being of our employees is at the centre of everything we do. They say they offer alternative clothing in different materials which can be selected by the employee at the retailer of their choice. They also stated that they commissioned a lab to analyse uniforms to, quote, support employees with any concerns. The company which makes the uniforms, Sintas, said, The test results were assessed by independent professionals who concluded that the uniform pieces do not pose a health risk. Additionally, the test results are entirely consistent with what would be expected if similar off-the-rack retail garments were tested. The uniforms maker said that in a population of thousands, some employees may be sensitive to certain textiles or materials and that they are committed to working with the airline to provide alternate uniform pieces to employees who may have sensitivity. And that's it for today. I'm Nosheen Iqbal, and this episode was produced by Eli Block and Holly Chaxfield. Sound design is by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producer was Huma Khalili. We'll be back again tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.